This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The Bible, many of you are familiar with this book in some way, or if not, you've heard of it. Well, the Bible is a spiritual book. What I mean by this is that everything that the Bible speaks or talks about deals with the things in our lives that gives it meaning and that impacts how you and I become aware of the things in life that are much greater than ourselves. To be spiritual means that you are not only aware of the physical things that you see, You're not only aware of the emotional things that you feel, but you're also aware of the transcendent and the spiritual things that you can sense. It's a part of you that knows that there is God and that God is our all in all, but you can't quite explain how it is that you know. It is the proverbial, I know that I know that I know. It is that thing that is a little too deep for words. Things that happen in your life that you can't quite explain why they took place or why they happened. But you know somehow, deep inside your heart, that it's God. You can't always say what it is, who he is, how he is. But something deep inside of you lets you know that God is. So because the Bible is a spiritual book. And because it deals with the deepest and innermost things that affect our very soul, it becomes necessary to talk about how the scriptures inform us on how to deal with those innermost things. Here's what I mean. Many of us can deal with losing something material, whether a car, a wallet, whether even a house, whatever, a bag, whatever. But some of us have a hard time dealing with losing something material that has meaning for us. In other words, your loss of that material thing becomes spiritual in nature. Many of us can deal with people who abuse their authority over us. But most of us have a hard time dealing with people who are meaningful to us who also abuse their authority over us. You see, it's one thing to have your boss take advantage of you. It's an entirely different thing when your father or your mother takes advantage of you. Now, now, now what happens then is that your, your, your issue now becomes spiritual in nature. Finally, many of us can deal with some level of chaos in our lives. But all of us have a hard time dealing with the kind of chaos that we have absolutely no control of in our lives. In other words, when those chaos in our lives come along that we have no control over, then our issue becomes spiritual in nature. This is why the Bible, which is a spiritual book, deals directly with the issue of chaos. How are we to understand chaos? What are we to make of this thing called chaos, especially when it starts to overtake us 
in our very lives and can have a most damaging effect. What do you do when chaos comes into your lives that you have absolutely no way of controlling or managing? Well, to help us deal with this from this book that I've told you is spiritual, let's just see what the book says. I turn, ask you to turn with me to Genesis, the first chapter, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I'm going back to the beginning. Many of you are familiar with this passage, but I want to bring it to your consciousness and awareness. Genesis, the first chapter, 1 through 10. And I want you to listen, not necessarily read it, but listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and desolate. Emptiness and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were below the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning. A second day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Brothers and sisters, this account at creation began with God bringing order to a formless, desolate emptiness which harbored darkness over the surface of the deep. In other words, God brought order to chaos. Now turn with me to our scriptures today, the 21st chapter in the book of Revelation and the very first verse, which reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I'm not sure about you, but for me, this is unimaginable. A new heaven, a new earth, and no sea? Have we as a people become so far removed from the goodness of God that God had to completely redo everything that he had done that he once declared was good? God said the earth was good. The heaven was good. Now we read in John that there's a new heaven, a new earth, and no more sea. Have we become so far from God that God has to now redo everything that he had done. And what does it even mean when Jesus hung on the cross and Jesus said, it is finished? How are we to understand all of this? What does it even mean in the context of a new heaven and a new earth? Well. This is unimaginable for me. And I'm the preacher. And so I've been led today to talk a little bit about chaos. 
and God's way of dealing with chaos. And so I want to preach a message today that I've titled quite simply, See No More. See No More. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you called me to be a preacher many years ago. And I responded to that call as faithfully as I could. Lord, I've tried to give your people everything that you've given to me in the hopes that somehow they might find you in their search through all the chaos in their lives. The book of Revelation, oh God, is a book that is difficult to preach. But there are so many people who have so many ideas and thoughts around what these things even mean and even how it means in their lives. Lord, I don't know. And I can be honest to you as I talk to you today, God, on behalf of these people that you have called me to speak to, I don't know. But for what I have prepared, pepper it with your Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Let it be, O oh Lord, that the words that I speak, even if I fumble or even if I make mistakes, that somehow that your strength will be made perfect in my weakness, in my frailty. Lord, people are struggling in this world around us in ways that are unimaginable. There is chaos in their lives that we can't even begin to understand. So, Lord, teach us your way. Help us, O oh God, to deal with chaos your way. For heaven knows, Lord, our ways have failed. And so, Lord, I humble myself before your holy throne. And I say, Spirit of the living God, anoint me one more time that I may preach a word of authority, a word of power, but most of all, most of all, a word of truth. For your word says, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by you. And we shall know the truth. And that truth shall make us free. Free us today, God, from the chaos in our lives. And we will be grateful and honor you for it. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that if I were to take a poll in this room, or if we did it on jot form or something, many of you would raise your hand indicating that you are no stranger to chaos. <laughs> chaos does not only refer to the formless and void condition that we found in Genesis 1, but it can refer to behavior that is so unpredictable in our lives, that appear, things that appear so random and out of control that it leaves us in a place of total confusion. In short, chaos is disorder and confusion. As an example, Chaos is what we observe after a devastating earthquake or a hurricane or a tornado in the aftermath in some community. That's chaos. Chaos is the fiasco that we see even in our government where they can't even arrive at common sense legislation even when it's really, really not that big of a deal. Chaos in our government. We've got chaos for me personally, and I can tell you this and I can be honest, chaos for me is a very messy room or office with papers and things lying all around. That for me is 
my kind of chaos. So I'm sure some of you can relate to things being out of order. But there is also another kind of chaos on a whole different level, which is more spiritual in nature. I'm talking about the kind of chaos that occurs when the doctor tells you that he doesn't know what's wrong and he's never seen this kind of thing before. When the doctor tells you there is no cure for your kind of medical condition or your cancer is inoperable. That's a different kind of chaos. The kind of chaos where your child may have been involved in a serious accident. Chaos in the spirit. Chaos where, here it is, your child was, may have been molested in some way and you were made aware of this. Chaos in your spirit. Troubles that you can't even save them from. Chaos. Or you're about to lose your home or, or your livelihood or everything because your husband or your wife might have passed away. Chaos of the spirit. Or you've been told by your spouse that they want a divorce. What I'm talking about is not the kind of chaos where your papers are lying all around. I'm talking about where there is turmoil within your soul. In the place where you need to know that God is and that God is real for nothing around you seems to make sense. And everything that you think you know cannot help the feeling that you have. And this is much more than simply having the anxiety butterflies in your stomach. Are you understanding the kind of chaos yes, that I am talking about? This kind of chaos is a serious kind of chaos for it is a chaos of the spirit. It takes you to the place where you, like the earth, becomes formless and void. It is a desolate and isolating emptiness that puts you in a fog of gloom and a darkness sits over the surface of your soul. It's a chaos that is not only dark, but it is heavy and it is deep. This, my brothers and my sisters, what I'm describing to you, that many of you, if you're willing to admit it, knows all about it, is spiritual chaos. As I've shared with you, the Bible, on many occasions, the Bible speaks to us literally, figuratively, and spiritually. To be literal means the book, the things that the book talks about and it describes, they are real. There is a real heaven. There is a real earth. So that's the literal meaning and interpretation of the Bible. To be figurative or symbolic means that what the Bible is talking about sometimes is pointing to something much deeper than what it's actually showing you. So the Bible speaks to us literally. The Bible speaks to us figuratively. But the Bible speaks to us also spiritually. So, So whenever we read the Bible... We have to make sure that our interpretation and our understanding is contextually appropriate, meaning that you don't take something literal when the Bible means it spiritual. You have to know the difference, and that's why many people get confused with what they read in the Bible because they approach it with their own understanding, with their own thoughts, not recognizing that, wait a second, maybe God is telling me something here that's a lot deeper than the words that I'm reading on the page. You have to understand it, and that's why God sends the preacher. 
He sends the preacher to be able to do what? Rightly divide the word of truth so that I'm not telling you what I think or what I believe or even what I hope or wish the Bible says, but that I'm telling you the truth of what God means when he authored the book. So, as we've taken on this book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The literal interpretation is that God made all the natural order that we know to be the heavens and the earth and the sky and the sun and the moons and the animals. God made all of those things literally. Literally, God made everything that our eyes and our senses can behold. But when God who does everything well, created the heavens and the earth, when did it become formless and void? When did darkness had to hover over the surface of the deep? I'll be honest, I don't know when that happened. God did not create no mess, that much I know. So something happened that caused, that, that something happened to the goodness of what God had created. Something changed that was perfect into something imperfect. Something happened that made good bad and bad good or seem good. Something interfered with God's order. Something brought chaos. Something brought chaos. And whatever that something was, it did something to which God had to respond. And the text tells us that God responded by hovering over the surface of the waters. And then, with all his cosmic and galactic power, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God, with his word, brought order to chaos. God with his word brought control to chaos. God with his word brought sanity to chaos. God with his word brought peace to chaos. God with his word brought contentment to chaos. But most importantly, God with his word, with his word brought meaning to chaos and his word. That same word was with God. And that word was God. That same word was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by that same word. And without that word was not anything made that was made. And that same word was the light that shineth in the darkness. And the darkness could not figure it out. The darkness could not understand it. But that same word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And that word, that same word, was Jesus. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. God brought order to chaos by Jesus who makes all things new. I don't know who you know. I don't know if you know him. I don't know if you understand him, but Jesus always brings order to chaos. So the Bible says the spirit of God was hovering <laughs> and the spirit of God, hear me church, is still hovering today. 
The Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God that hovered over the waters is the same Spirit of God that's hovering over your waters, your chaos. Today, the question then becomes, have you heard? Let there be light. But you and I know that the chaos in Genesis 1 was soon followed up by a return of the chaos in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden and brought sin into the world. This led to the pain and the suffering that you and I are even experiencing today. But our text now takes us to the book of Revelation. And this is where I want to go, church. Revelation, the first, 21st chapter, and the first verse, where the Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. John says that because the heavens and the earth that God created had become formless and void and needed his spirit by his word to establish order, the earth and the heaven had again become messy because of the sin of one man and it needed another intervention. But how are we to understand what John is saying? Is John being literal? Is John being figurative? Or is John being spiritual? I mean, when he says there's a new heaven and a new earth and no sea, we need to know how John means this. Church, you got to stay with me. We can't just think we know what it means. We got to understand where John is coming from. So let's quickly just talk about the heavens and the earth. As again, as I said before, the book of Revelation in its entirety must be interpreted symbolically and not literally. The book of Revelation. So how do I, so, so when John talks about the heaven and the earth and the sea, altogether it represents symbolic language that is to be understood figuratively. How do I know this? Well, let's look for example. The word heaven is used in three basic ways in the Bible. Stay with me, church. Three basic ways that I see the word heaven used in the Bible. Number one is the physical heaven. And we find this in Genesis 1 where it talked about the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars, the stars and the sky. That is the literal meaning of heaven. The spiritual meaning of heaven comes in Matthew 24 and 36 where it says that but about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. Which means heaven is also a place, a spiritual place where angels dwell. Just from the text. I'm not making this up. And in third, there is also another way that the word heaven is used in the Bible, which means authority in spiritual places. How do we know? For Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. So what I'm saying to you is that when you see heaven, it could mean the literal heaven, it could mean the spiritual realm where angels dwell, or it can mean authority and rules. Heaven. Now, for the earth, there's another way, three ways, two ways, rather, we can look at the earth. First of all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But the Bible also lets us know that the earth is not going to be destroyed. How do I know? Well, I, I want you to know this. 
Look at Psalms 104 and the fifth verse, which says, God has established the earth on its foundations. It will not be moved from its place forever and ever. So as much as man is trying to do all that he can to this earth, believe me, brothers and sisters, when I tell you, God ain't going to let them mess up his good creation. The time will come where God is going to say, enough is enough. But I'm not going to let you mess up this wonderful thing that I've created. Global warming is real. It's a warning, not just the warming. I hope you got that. Right? It's not just global warming. It's a global warning. Not to the earth, but to all of us who are making a mess. So, 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 but then, but then, even in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter and the fourth verse, it says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. That's the word of God. So the earth in this context, while we know it's literal, it's never going to be destroyed. So if it's never going to be destroyed, what did John mean when he says, I saw a new earth? Well. You see the question that I'm asking? So the earth is literal in this context, never be destroyed, but there's another reference for the earth, which is found in Genesis, the 11th chapter and the first verse, where it says, all the earth, all the earth continued to be of one language. What does that mean? If the earth is of one language, then clearly it must be referring to people. So we say all the earth, we're talking about all of you and all of me. Now, to be clear, when the Apostle John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, he did not see a literal or even a physical heaven or earth. No, John saw the heavenly realm where God is on full display in all of his glory and the new earth with people of all nations under one rule and authority. That's what John saw. Not you under Trump but you under God's authority, God's rule. That's what John said. I saw a new heaven, a new authority. I saw a new earth, people from all tribes and tongues, nations. I saw all of these people, a new heaven and a new earth. But then John says something, which is where I really want to end up in this message. I saw a sea no more. I saw a sea no more. I saw the heaven, I saw God in his glory, right? Eve sang it, God is my all in all. I saw a new heaven, the rule of God. I saw a new earth, the people of God. But I saw the sea, no more. Oh, pastor, where you going with this? Pastor, I'm a little scared right now. Sea, no more. What does that mean? Well, church, <laughs> Context matters. And whenever we try to open up God's book and God's word, it's a spiritual book. You got to understand that you got to get into the mind of Christ. The Bible tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You got to get to the place where you're not thinking your own thoughts or even your own ways. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So I need to know, God, what are you trying to tell me when you said, see, no more? Well, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Hurry along. You see, we serve a good and a holy God yes, sir. Yes, 
who wants each of us to be given the opportunity to live not just our best lives, but to reflect the glory of who God is in the person and character of Jesus Christ and to love God forever. That is the chief end of every single one of you in this room or listening to this message right now. But we, sadly, have made a mockery of his word and we have profaned the sacred by bringing all kinds of strange fire on his holy altar. I do not wish, my brothers and sisters, for you to be ignorant of these things. So let me tell you why John said, see no more. In Revelations, the 17th chapter and the first verse, it reads, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. Here, the great prostitute is described as sitting on many waters or seas. Then in verse 3, it says, The same woman sat upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Then you jump to verse 15. Stay with me, church, where it says, And he saith unto me, the angel, The waters or seas which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Hmm. Hmm. Let me read that again. The waters, the waters or the seas, which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So John is not referring when he said sea no more to literal sea or water. John is saying sea no more is declaring something symbolic and, and the sea. Now, now, now let, me, let me just do a quick back step. The sea in the Bible often always refers to chaos. Anytime you see sea, it's usually referring to chaos. And so, listen, in the minds of Jewish children, whenever they grow up, they grow up hearing stories like the flood with Noah and how the sea rose and destroyed all the people. They have a, an understanding of the sea being chaos. Now watch this. The Hebrew word for water is the word mayim, which comes from the root word mem which you guessed it, means chaos. That's what the word means, chaos. So ancient Jewish children grew up hearing stories like Noah and the flood and the earth being destroyed by water. And then when you read in Micah 7 verse 19, it says, we will again have compassion on us. He will tread on our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. The sea becomes the place where all of our sin Get stored according to John. So what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, when John stood there and says, the sea no more, I'm reminded of the disciples in the boat as the winds and the rains was raging on the sea. And they looked up and they saw 
someone walking on water. They saw light. And it's like, what is that? Walking on water. And when he walked on water, he said these words, peace, be still. And the raging storm, this raging sea was no more. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you're hearing. So let me make it completely plain as I close and we prepare for communion. When John says, I saw the sea no more, meant there will be no more fear, no more danger, no more death, no more destruction, no more enemies or uncertainties, no more, no, no more bad news from doctors, no more worry and anxieties over our children, no more fear, no more separation. We'll no longer stand at a distance from God, separated from his throne. God invites us now to draw closer to him with, with boldness and with confidence. Why? Because what used to separate us from the love of God no longer separate us. So John saw a new heaven. John saw a new earth. But John said there was sea no more. The chaos in your life was gone. Jesus said, peace. Be still. And the sea was no more. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. But he didn't stop there. He said, and I saw the holy city. A new Jerusalem. Coming down from heaven. From God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, here it is. <laughs> he who sits on the throne says, I hope you got this leaps in your spirit. He who sits on the throne says, behold, I. And making all things new. And he said, and he said, write these words, for they are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the first and I am the last. I am Jehovah God. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the bright and the morning star. I come with healing in my wings and I declare and decree that no weapon formed against you or me shall prosper. Why? Because when Jesus hung on that cross 
and he bled and he died. He uttered these words. It is finished. It is finished. The promise of God is that he will turn the formless and void, the desolate and the isolating emptiness of your life and mine. And the, the thing that seeks to put you in the fog of despair with doom and gloom that is a darkness covering over the surface of your soul. God, Jesus, brings order to your chaos. Whatever your chaos is in life today, believe on his name and he will bring order, order, order to your chaos. And then you can join with Jesus and all the saints and declare with confidence, it is finished for there will be see no more. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.